Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we tell stories and analyze the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries for our, and hopefully your, amusement. I'm your host, Gary, with my perfect wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hello, Gary. How are you? I am doing very well, and I'm ready to start celebrating the Christmas season. How about you? You're just starting? I started last month. Well, I'm doing some catch-up then. Okay. I mean, it is the Christmas season, and we get to present our very first Christmas special episode today. In fact, Santa has already given us our present. As some of our listeners may know, we recently sold and bought our new house. This should not affect our weekly scheduling of broadcasts, but it does mean I can finally unpack our recording equipment and set up an actual sound room. I'm really hoping that this is going to improve our podcast recordings. And I wanted to know, are you excited about the move? I'm very excited about the move. I have a heated pool now. Is that enough? I'm excited about our podcast room. (laughs) With the heated pool. With a heated pool. Not in the podcast room. Yes, let's not put the pool, let's not put the soundproof room in the pool. Electrical equipment and water don't mix. Neither do Golden Retrievers, but she's going in. Mm-hmm. Well, this is our Christmas episode, and I did want to put in a disclaimer uh, that even though this is a Christmas-themed episode, it still has a darker tone than you would find in most feel-good holiday stories. We're storytellers, and we've gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries about this holiday just to bring to you. So, if you came to be entertained by a spookier side to the season, then turn down the lights and let us tell you about some of the most fascinating Yuletide stories with our own two cents of what they mean. To start this off, the Christmas season is a time for sharing stories and tales about Santa Claus, the Grinch, and most importantly, the birth of Jesus. However, I have a Christmas story that does not share in the popularity of the others. And I want to change that with a part of a poem that's an important part of the Christmas culture for the people of Iceland. That's far away. Well, and you would think Iceland at Christmas time really suits the season of snow and ice and uh, all that holiday traditions. And part of that is a book known as Christmas is Coming, which was translated from Icelandic into English for the first time in 2015. And the author writes, He opened his glaring eyes wide, the two of them glowing bright. It took a really brave man to look straight into them. His whiskers, sharp as bristles, his back arched up high, The claws of his hairy paws were a terrible sight. He gave a wave of his strong tail. He jumped and he clawed and he hissed sometimes up in the valley, sometimes down by the shore. He roamed at large, hungry and evil, in the freezing Yule snow, in every home. People shuddered at his name. If one heard a pitiful meow, Something evil would happen soon. Everybody knew he hunted men, but he didn't care for mice. So are you talking about a story or are you talking about our cat? This fits him with a lot of cats. (laughs) But uh, 
This might not be at the same level of Twas the Night Before Christmas, but this poem describes an enormous Christmas feline that prowls the country of Iceland. It peers into the homes to see if children received new clothes for Christmas. If they were not wearing new clothes when he saw them, he would swallow them up like mice. And he was known as the Yule Cat. Wow. Yes. Now, do you know anything about the legend of the Yule Cat? I don't, but I'm thinking some smart parent made this thing up so they could give their kid underwear and socks for Christmas. That does play into a lot of what I've read into it on my research. Because let me tell you, if I gave my child underwear and socks, they get furious. I'm betting that fits in with a lot of kids at Christmas time who want a Nintendo or Xbox and they get a pair of socks. But the Yule Cat is, is only defeated by children who are wearing new clothes. The legends of the Yule Cat were first passed down through oral traditions of the Middle Ages, in which Iceland was in the grips of freezing weather, averaging above a negative 30 degrees, and nights that lasted 20 hours a day during the winter. Oh, forget that. <clears throat> well, the tales of the Yule Cat would be a popular topic as families kept together against the cold during all this dark darkness. The Yule Cat's name was Yola Katurin. Yola meaning Yule, and Katurin meaning cat. He was described as an enormous feline monster with glowing red eyes and whiskers sharp enough to cut the skin. His claws were longer than a man, and he towered over the homes of the people he stalked, and his favorite prey were children. However, Iceland has no large predatory cat species. There's no lions or tigers or bobcats, or any other such creatures. Wow. So it's pretty interesting that they would create a monster of a giant cat. In fact, Iceland has a vast collection of folklore during the holidays. The Yule Cat is not alone in the mythology of Iceland. So if we're going to talk about the Yule Cat, we kind of need to discuss the rest of his family. He is the pet of Grilla and the Yule Lads. Okay, so the Yule Cat as a pet. Exactly. Okay. And his main owner is Grilla. Grilla is a female troll often described with up to 300 heads, 15 tails, goat horns, long ears, and a beard. She was told in Norse mythology since the beginnings of the 13th century. Wow. Yes. So <laughs> we have so we have this giant ogre-like troll who is described as a parasitic beggar who walks around asking asking parents to give her their disobedient children in the older poems. <laughs> her plans could be stopped by giving her food or chasing her away. And she started out living in a small cottage, but she was forced out of town and into a faraway cave, which tends to happen when you're eating the villagers' kids. And it's pretty bold of her to go door to door saying, give me your bad kids. Did your child make an A today? Exactly. I can fix it. Well, in, Eat fa it. in fact, Grilla had the ability to detect misbehaving children. So during Christmas time, she came out of the mountains to search for her next meal in the nearby towns. She would devour children in a stew of naughty kids for which she had an insatiable appetite. 
According to legend, there was never a shortage of food for Grilla. To me, she resembles a lot of the stories you hear of Krampus and punishing the naughty children. Yeah, Krampus didn't have 300 heads. Well, no, the number of heads that Grilla <laughs> had varied from story to story. But some of the more extreme ones, yeah, she had 300 heads. But normally, most of the stories, she was just a giant ogre or a very ugly, monstrous woman who okay. went around eating children. All right. But maybe, you know, she's dateable for the Krampus. I don't know. Oh, now that maybe. I don't Yeah. But another important factor about Grilla is that she is the mother of the Yule lads. Were they good or bad? Both. Did, why, if she was bad, why didn't she eat them? They did well, some they parents eat children. their young. They weren't children. Oh. They were troll-like or uh, dwarf-like in this case. Okay. Now, a bit of trivia for you. Oh, God. Santa Claus does not actually exist in Iceland in the same manner as he does here in the United States. Okay. The responsibility of bringing gifts to children each year in Iceland belongs to a band of Christmas lads or Yule lads. The number of these trolls varied from 9 to 22, but the most common number of them was the lucky 13. These brothers would make their way down from their mountain Wait, cave. Lucky 13? Well, that was unlucky here. Here, it was kind of lucky because kids would get gifts for 13 days. Huh. Because we're not even allowed to have the 13 on elevators. Wow. Well, you skip it. Iceland does things differently. Obviously. Yeah, they've got things that'll eat you there. True. Now, as I was saying, uh, these brothers would make their way down from the mountain cave home that they shared with their mother, Grilla, and they would come down one at a time during the 13 days prior to Christmas to leave small presents. And this has been ongoing since the 17th century. However, they would also cause a little mischief along the way. The Yule lads were also named very strangely, much like the dwarves of Disney's Snow White. They were named in the manner of what they did. Um, whereas Disney had dopey, sleepy, sneezy, the Yule Lads were named, for example, Window Peeper. <laughs> and, and Window Peeper, the Yule Lad, did exactly what it says. He would look into the windows of Icelandic homes at night to watch the people gathered by the fire. Now, Goldie Ann, can you guess what Spoon Licker did to earn his name? Lick a spoon, maybe? Wow, you did study <laughs> for this. Um, yeah, basically, while you slept... He would go sneak into the house and he would lick all of the spoons in the home. Okay, that's gross. Yeah, so it would be really important to wash your utensils in the morning before you had your morning porridge. Uh, and each of the 13 of these guys had interesting names just like this. There was even one called Candle Eater, who basically would eat candles. He would sneak into your home and eat candles. Okay. So you have 13 of these Yule lads that uh, would sneak down to the villages. And in fact, the image of the Yule lads changed during the 20th century. They began to be depicted more as wearing red clothes and had white beards. They basically looked like miniature Santa Clauses. And they would look more and more like the Santa Claus that we have here in the United States, just a bit smaller, and there would be 13 of them. Gnomes! Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely would fit into the same category as looking like gnomes. Nice. However, remember how you, you asked if they were good or bad? Right. 
<clears throat> when they first started, the early versions of these harmless trolls were not always just friendly mischief makers. The original versions of the Yule Lads were told of coming to scare children into being good. They would kidnap the misbehaving ones or those that cried too much. In fact, the stories of the Yule, early Yule Lads were so successful in frightening children that it had started a slight panic amongst villages of Iceland. It got to a point that there was a regulation issued by the government in 1764 stating that, quote, the foolish custom, which has been practiced here and there about the country of scaring children with the Yuletide lads or ghosts shall be abolished. Oh, wow. Yeah, it got so good at scaring kids that the government had to step in and say, okay, you guys, you need to stop with the Yule lads coming to steal children. But if it was working, they had good kids. I don't know that part, but I know well, that... it was stopped. Well, it... it I, it was, I mean, what caused it to stop? What, there's what no was documented the last case. Straw. Well, the 1764. That broke the Yule cat's back. Well, the Yule lad's back. Yeah. So after that point, the Yule lads basically became good, or at least good-ish. They still caused a little mischief. They still licked spoons and stuff, but they also left gifts. Therefore, we now have a collection of thirteen mean and nasty children of Grilla would eventually become 13 mischievous versions of Santa leaving gifts but causing only small amounts of mischief. So now you have 13 Santas for Iceland. Uh, they're gnomes. I mean, I don't know. Are gnomes bad? No, not normally. Yeah, they're just small. They're little people. Yes. Little, little, little Santas. Exactly, and that's the way Iceland views it. They have little. They have thirteen little Santas. It's kind of cool as long as they're nice. I don't do this whole scary mischief stuff. Well, if you think the scary stuff is stops here, you're you're going to be surprised. Because I, mean, I love I love scary stuff because Halloween is my favorite. But I've got to draw a line between Christmas and Halloween. I do watch Krampus though. I like Krampus. Well, see, and then now we're talking about Grilla and the Yule Lads. But amongst this monstrous family, it was their pet, the Yule cat, Yule Katurn. The origins of when folklore about this cat began is difficult to trace because stories of it weren't even published until the 19th century. And it was kind of confusing as to why it's a cat. The first beginnings of the legends may have started with the tales of the Scandinavian Yule goat. I want a goat. Well, maybe you can try and get a Yule goat. Uh, a Yule goat goes back to the ancient pagan festivals and the worship of the Norse god Thor, who rode across the sky in a chariot drawn by two goats. Okay. And it was the responsibility of the Yule goat to travel across the land, to look in the windows, and ensure that people were properly celebrating the Yule season. Even today, it is the Yule goat that helps Santa Claus deliver presents. Huh. in many of the Scandinavian countries, instead of reindeer. As the, um, unfortunately, in Iceland, the populations of goats declined. And as fewer and fewer goats were seen in the country, the stories of the benevolent Yule goat began to diminish. Instead, the stories changed into those involving the terrifying Yule cat. <laughs> 
Now, cats in Iceland are very much more common as pets and as feral animals when compared to dogs. In fact, dogs were banned in the country in 1924 because of issues of forming wild packs and hunting livestock. You are required to possess a special permit in modern times to have a dog as a companion. Wow. Whereas every family and every farm has a cat because of their benefit. In fact, many Norse mythology stories frequently portrayed cats. The Norse goddess Freya, the queen of the gods, traveled across the sky in a chariot pulled by giant flying cats. Wow. Meow. Meow. <gasps> yes, I'm now showing a picture of the most common type of cat that you would find in Iceland, known as the Norwegian forest cat, which, if you want to picture it, Try and imagine a Maine Coon. It's large, extra fluffy, and is depicted in many of the ancient stories of Icelandic culture, which may help to describe the shaggy appearance of the Yule cat. That's going to be our next, next cat. We're going to get a Norwegian uh, cat for our next pet? Sure. Now, whether or not the Norwegian cats were nice, there is another reason for this monster being a cat. And it may be because there was a similar creature in Icelandic folklore, which was known as the Wasteland Cat, or Ghoul Cat. And Ghoul Cat, Yule Cat, they kind of rhyme. <laughs> now this feline was told to be an enormous and feral cat that would bury itself in the ground of a cemetery, and then it would continue to grow while it was underground until it was a size larger than a dog. Then it would leap from the cemetery ground to hunt sheep, livestock, and humans, with wow. eyes that could kill a human with its own look. Huh. So they already had uh, legends of a cemetery cat that would go out and hunt people. And some of this may have combined with the Yule goat and created the legends of the Yule cat. If it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Just change it. And change it they did. <laughs> Now, we have an understanding of what the Yule Cat was. Mm. Now we can discuss why they had such a monstrous feline existing during the Christmas season. The simplest explanation is in connection to the clothes and wool that they utilized to make them. During the winter months of ancient Iceland, there was a critical need for warm clothes and the production of wool. Remember how I said the temperatures would drop very drastically during the winter months, especially during 20 hours of darkness. So it was really important to have warm clothes. So the sheep and such that they had could provide that. Okay. During the Middle Ages, Iceland began exporting their wool and it became their primary export. So this is how the country made money. The wool and wool products grew into the primary aspect of the Icelandic economy. And chores dealing with wool required the participation of the entire household during this time. It became part of their daily activities once the autumn harvest finished, then the nights started getting longer, and the largest task left to the farms and their families was spinning and weaving. Wool was actually utilized as currency to pay for workers and the farmhands. Hmm. So instead of getting coins, you could hire people to work on your farms or to shear your sheep, you would pay them in wool or yarn. It became that important as an economy. The sheep raised in Iceland actually have two kinds of hair. First, there's a coarse, more water-resistant top layer, 
And then there's the secondary insulating layer. The different layers would be separated by hand and then they would send the different parts of the sheep's coats to be used for different textiles. This work required everyone in the family to participate as they had to separate, they had to spin, and then they had to knit the wool. This meant the work involved the men, women, and children in order to produce yarn to sell. And they would also knit winter clothes for warmth during the freezing winter months. That's a lot of work. It very much was. And it took many hours and you had to kind of do this in the dark. Ugh. So you would have a family sitting around the fire of the fireplace and they would all have their big bundles of uh, sheep hair that they would have to separate into different parts. Someone else would be combining them and spinning them into string and then they would sell that off to the textiles or use it for their own purposes. Wow. it's a lot of work. But it was important work. In fact, a Christmas gift amongst these farming communities was limited because of the need of practicality being more important than toys. Many of these gifts consisted of woolen clothing, but that was only possible if everyone helped and did their fair share of the work in the clothes, making of the clothes. If someone didn't do their part, then someone wasn't getting warm clothes for that for that winter. The, Yule, the legend of the Yule Cats stated that only people who did not receive new clothes were attacked, making him responsible for showing the importance to the production of wool and scaring children, and even some adults, into finishing their work before Christmas and the coldest months of the year. So you would have these owners of the farms and family leaders saying how important it was to get this work done before Christmas because it would it would take place before the winter months before it actually really got freezing. So the tradition of the Yule Cat created a strong work ethic and the focus of the being prepared for appropriately for the cold. The Yule Cat didn't just, uh, wasn't just responsible for making people work harder. He also helped create social bonding in the family. He didn't scare people just into working hard. He also helped encourage families to work together and create their bonding. Families would gather on the winter nights around the fire and work on the production of the wool. The children of the family learned to read and write while the families worked on the wool. These children would entertain the older members of the family by reading out loud. And many of these stories involved supernatural stories teaching fundamental life lessons and morals. Hmm. So it's all kind of coming together. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice, especially for the holidays, because the holidays should be about family. Right. Now, it shouldn't be caused because you're scared of a giant cat, <laughs> but the result is that families, you know, group together better. In fact, this reading that the children did um, helped support a later holiday that Iceland has. Iceland still celebrates a Christmas holiday called, and I hope I pronounced this right, Jolok Bokaflod. And that's translate as Christmas Book Flood. And this is a time when people give each other books for the holiday. Ah, that's a great holiday. Exactly. So you... All these people would, you know, buy books for their family members or friends. And it was a really common Christmas gift that they would give from one to another nowadays. Awesome. And it might have stemmed back all the way back to the time when 
kids would read while the older and more experienced people spun wool to keep everyone alive from the Yule Cat. <laughs> so yes, the Yule Cat may have begun as a warning against laziness or else you might get eaten up, but it's now just a part of the Yuletide tradition in Iceland. No one really believes that a giant cat's going to eat you if you don't have new clothes. In fact, the city of Reykjavik in Iceland built a five meter high by six meter long LED sculpture of the Yule Cat in 2018. Wow. So you have this lit up statue that possessed glowing red eyes acting more of a harmless reminder of the importance of hard work. It works as a reminder of power of folklores and storytelling attracting crowds from across the world. Do we have a picture of this? Yes, I do. Oh, good. I, and I, I will post a photo of what the Yule Cat statue looked like. On our Facebook page. On our Facebook page within cool. the mist that we hope everyone is joining. Okay. However, when you see this statue, you also have to remember there was a lot of people who were upset by the statue as well. Some of the critics said that the government spending millions on a statue about a cat that eats poor people without new clothes <laughs> was ridiculous instead of spending that money to help the poor get new clothes. So there was a big uh, argument about, you know, government spending money on a statue rather than spending it on the people. I don't know. The statue sounds kind of important. For tourism and such, I'm sure it is. And scaring children. Into working hard in the winter months. That's right. Hey, just look how warm they were with that wool on them, knitting those clothes. Child labor laws were much different back in the ancient Iceland. Okay. Now... Today, uh, every year around Christmas, York does a famous musical rendition of the 1932 Yule Cat poem, and it's played on radio stations across Iceland. If you're not familiar with who Bjork was, basically everyone from the 80s kind of was, um, she's an Icelandic singer and songwriter who's been performing over the past four decades. I used to listen to her in college uh, when she was the lead singer of the Sugar Cubes. And then she started performing solo. She's kind of a alternative, very avant-garde type of musician. I just thought it was a guy. What, who am I thinking of? I do not know. But uh, Bjork is definitely a woman. I think I'm thinking of a tennis player. <laughs> definitely a different category. <laughs> now, When you said she, I'm like, what? Yes. Yeah, I think I'm thinking of someone totally different. So in, we have songs about the Yule Cat. We have poems about the Yule Cat. We, this famous feline even has a children's books that have a much more family-friendly version of the Yule Cat. And there's holiday greeting cards of the Yule Cat and even chocolate Yule Cat candies that you can buy. I like chocolate. Well, you can have a chocolate Yule Cat now. Now... One of the biggest reasons that I thought of doing an episode on the Yule Cat was because he's actually in the latest holiday film, The Christmas Chronicles 2, starring Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Oh. Yola oh, is the giant snow leopard monster in the movie, and he's one of the primary antagonists, though he's a little bit different because he seems more interested in attacking Santa's reindeer rather than eating children without new Christmas clothes in the movie. But... Seeing him in this movie got me thinking about his connection to other Christmas movies. Okay. So I'm going to talk about these and see if they ring some bells for you. Uh-oh. I mean, when you think about the story of the Yule Cat and the importance of getting close for Christmas, 
Doesn't that kind of put a whole different spin on a Christmas story in which Ralphie receives his pink bunny pajamas from his aunt? I mean, when you think about it, it is lucky for Ralphie that he didn't grow up in Iceland during the Middle Ages. That pink nightmare may have just saved his life. That's true. And him not wearing it would have gotten him eaten up. That's true. So think about that, Ralphie, when you dress up as a pink bunny for Christmas. Right. So that's a good point. <laughs> that's a very good point. And here's another one. Uh-oh. Okay. And I this, uh, yeah, this is what goes through my head while now that I'm watching Christmas movies after reading about the Yule Cat. If you think about it, okay. Buddy the Elf. Oh no, not my favorite movie. <laughs> well, think about this. Buddy the Elf was not only getting something special for his um. father when he bought that lingerie. <laughs> he was actually buying him something that would protect him from being gobbled up by the Yule Cat. Oh, he's such a good son. He is an amazing son. I never actually realized that this tradition had been a part of my own actual life. Because I have always received Christmas pajamas on Christmas Eve as a child. And I continued the tradition with my own children as they grew up. And in fact, still growing up. Every year, my children would get new pajamas for Christmas Eve as part of the tradition of protecting them against the Yule Cat. Oh, look at that. Yes. So subconsciously, I was preventing the Yule Cat from eating up my girls and even you, Goldian. So when you open up that present for me and it's new clothes or new pajamas, you're welcome for me protecting you from a house-sized cat. Uh-huh, right. What a way to go. And in fact, your daughter... My daughter. Katie. Katie. Can actually be considered a hero. Oh. Because what has Katie now gotten into the uh, oh. hobby of making? She's knitting. Oh, she, no, 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 she's crocheting. He is crocheting. And what is she crocheting? She's making hats. hats. I'm sure blankets. she's making scarves and blankets. So she's been very busy with her crocheting of hats and scarves. So just imagine all the people she is saving this Christmas. Aw, she's such a giving person. Who would have known? Who would have known that Katie Katie was a the hero of the hero against the Yule Cat? Now for some more interesting thing. Uh-oh. Okay. You were questioning if we were going to be talking about the Yule Cat or if we were going to talk about our own cat, Obi. Obi. As I was researching about the Yule Cat, I did come across an interesting quiz on a website called theoccultsection.com. And it helps you determine if your cat is part Yule Cat. Oh, gosh. So I want to, I'm going to give you this quiz. Okay. And you, our listeners, please pay attention. So Judge con- your cat. So consider these questions. If your cat might have larger aspirations this holiday of being a Yule Cat. <laughs> so question number one. Does your cat chew on random objects or gnaw on your hands when you pet him or her? Yes. Yes. Obi, he never bites me. He only bites you. It doesn't hurt, though. No, but if he does, these are clear indications your cat is a hopeful contender for the cat Yule Cat crown wow. and gobbling up children later on. Question number two. <laughs> Poor Obi. Question number two is, does your cat nest frequently on recently laundried clothes? Yes. (laughs) Okay. If it's yes, this is because he or she wants to memorize the fresh scent of detergents, (laughs) i.e. new clothes that will save a holiday reveler's life. 
extra points if your cat also needs the clothes of guests and even complete strangers. She is attempting to learn the subtle differences in grocery store laundry detergent brands. <laughs> so as your cat is laying in your la- your clean clothes, he is actually learning the smells of detergent brands. All right. So it doesn't look good for Obi. No. Number three. Does your cat enjoy resting on coats and clothes you've recently worn? Yes. So three for three. Don't make the mistake of thinking your scent gives your cat comfort. He or she is in fact learning the smell of worn clothes so he can compare it with the aroma of new clothes. (laughs) This is a dead giveaway that your cat plans to kill you next year if your mother doesn't buy you new pajamas. (laughs) And the last question. Oh, gosh. Okay. Does your cat take an extra interest in holiday decor, including but not limited to the Christmas tree, ornaments, and gifts, both wrapped and unwrapped? Yes. So Obi is four for four. And this is most likely the most serious symptom of a would-be Yule cat behavior. Each time your cat climbs the tree or bats at an ornament, Your cat is pretending that they are a giant monster and the festive accoutrements are your flayed skin. (laughs) So you can see how your little docile house cat might be part Yule cat. Uh Now, not all cats are successful at becoming Yule cats. Take the movie Christmas Vacation, for example. We all remember the cat in that movie who pretty much was destroying the Christmas tree by chewing on some Christmas lights, and we saw what happened to him. So it's still very important that even if you are a little bit afraid of your cat becoming a Yule cat, please take care of them and make sure they aren't chewing on the Christmas lights because they may not be a successful Yule cat and just end up as a fricasseed uh, kitten. Now, this article also recommends not mentioning Yola Katurin by name. Oh, good job. Well, he's in another room. Okay. Because by saying his name, you're simply encouraging your cat. After all, (laughs) anytime you tell your feline friend not to do something, that is precisely the thing that they will do. Yeah. So be sure to keep your family safe this wintry season while denying the very existence of this terrifying holiday cryptid. (laughs) So I'm sure all of our listeners now are now looking at our cats and going, feeling just a little bit more scared of them during the holidays. As they should be. Mm -hmm. So, Goldie Ann, what are your final opinions about the Yule Cat? It's terrifying. It very much can be. In fact, like I said, the Icelanders got really good at scaring their kids to the point where they had to change the Yule Lads from kidnapping children to leaving small gifts. So telling stories of a cat that'll eat them if they aren't wearing new clothes. Right. That's smart. They were probably really good at scaring kids into being good. Yeah. And not complaining when they got new clothes for Christmas. Exactly. So you should not do that. Now, in my opinion, yeah, you can definitely see how this, I don't think this would anyone actually assume that the Yule Cat was a real creature. But it was a really good tool in getting kids to work on their chores, especially when it came to uh, wool production and in making sure that they wore warm new clothes. Yeah. 
Well, the Yule Cat le legend did act as a warning to young children that being lazy would have serious consequences to include being clawed and eaten alive by a massive cat. Now, we at Within the Mist hope that you appreciate those socks you receive this holiday season. <laughs> and we really hope that your Christmas is free of giant flesh-eating murder fluffs. Murder fluffs. Murder fluffs. So, at this time, I'm going to make sure that I wear my new holiday underwear this Christmas Eve. I think it's a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. We do want to give special thanks to bensound.com for the introduction music, and we hope you enjoyed our stories about this holiday topic, and we'll come again for another episode. Please spread the word to your friends who would enjoy listening to our tales about cryptids, ghosts, and other things that go bump in the night. And we really do appreciate how many of you have subscribed even during the short time that we've been active as a podcast. You make these episodes worth it and a lot more fun. So until our next episode, we hope you make your way out of the mist safely and perhaps a little bit more curious. Merry Christmas for us at Within the Mist. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page where you'll find all of the pictures that we've talked about today. And on that one closing word for you tonight, 